I want to take a second to remind you to sign up for the Poso Daily Brief. It is completely free. It'll be one email that's sent to you every day. You can stop the endless scrolling trying to find out what's going on in your world. We will have this delivered directly to you totally for free. Go to humanevents.com slash Poso. Sign up today. It's called the Poso Daily Brief. Read what I read for show prep. You will not regret it. Humanevents.com slash Poso. Totally free. The Poso Daily Brief. This is what happens when the fourth turning meets fifth generation warfare. A commentator, international social media sensation, and former Navy intelligence veteran. This is Human Events with your host, Jack Posobiec. Deliver us from our evil. election projection, Donald Trump, the projected winner of the Michigan primary. But President Trump's number at the moment is actually more than all of the Democratic Party primary voters together. Everyone, it's Rashida. I was proud today to walk in and pull a Democratic ballot and vote uncommitted. President Biden and former President Trump coming off huge wins in Michigan. But it's these voters who shook up the Democratic primary. Overnight, an extremely unusual watch party for voters who cast their ballots not for a candidate, but for uncommitted in protest of President Biden's handling of the Israel-Hamas war. I had a one-on-one uh, -on -one for a period of time with the president, just he and I in the Oval Office. When I showed up today, my purpose was to express what I believe is the obvious truth, and that is that we must take care of America's needs first. When you talk about America's needs, you have to talk first about our open border. In the main, I caution against conflating immigration and crime. The data demonstrates that the two are not connected. While 2019 was not that long ago, you might remember the dynamic we were living in in the late teens in this country, where you had the President of the United States speaking in the most vile terms about people who were foreign born. And you had that notion metastasizing in places like Charlottesville. To, to make Athens Clark County a sanctuary city, sir. Who? What's their name? Many of the elements, many of the elements, we are here to listen, we are here to listen, there will be time for questions. You are guilty and got blood on your hands for this murder. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily Live from Washington, D.C. If you're watching on the live stream, today's uh, live stream on X and Rumble is brought to you by Angel Studios, the new movie Cabrini. Make sure you go and get your tickets for Cabrini, angel.com slash poso. It comes out on March 8th. Everybody loves Angel Studios. Cabrini is their latest, greatest, best next film. I love it. I saw it with my mother at CPAC. It's so good. You've got to go and get your tickets, angel.com slash poso. Speaking of angels, Evan has a new angel. And there's also a new angel family down in Georgia, family of Lake and Riley. Yet the mayor of her city, the city where she lived, where she was going to get her education, where she was just starting her life, where she went out with her friends, by all accounts, seems like a completely normal girl from Georgia. Volunteered with her church, did some mission trips down in Central America, 
and this mayor, this, and look, I said I was going to be nice for Lent online. So I'll just say it this way. This person makes me feel disgust when I hear his words apologizing for illegal aliens that he's allowed into his city to abuse and mutilate his citizenry. Whether you want to call it pathological altruism or something else, I don't know. I'm not a psychologist. All I know is people like this, these unhumans, should not be in office. They should be behind bars. They should be in a labor camp somewhere trying to understand why it is that they have embraced these these causes, these isms. Remember, pathological altruism means that you will embrace your cause up to and beyond the point of causing harm, direct physical and actual harm in the real world. People have said suicide bombings are potentially an example of this. Uh, certainly the, um, the airman who killed himself outside the Israeli embassy in protest of the Gaza war, pathological altruism. By the way, that guy was an intelligence member uh, and had a security clearance, top level security clearance. We'll have more on that when we get there. Aaron Bucknell, Bushnell. But we must understand, there are people in power in this country who do not care when the citizenry are killed and mutilated. And they tell you that it's your fault for being xenophobic and having naughty thoughts about the people who did. By the way, death penalty for all of the illegals here. Every single one of them, death penalty, there's no question. Ladies and gentlemen, one of the best ways that you can support us here at Human Events and the work that we do is subscribing to us on our Rumble channel. Make sure you're subscribed. You hit the notifications so you'll never miss a clip. You'll never miss a new live episode, and we're putting them out every single day of the week. In the hood, I rolled with bloods, and then boys had a saying. You can't be listening to all that slappy whack, trimatazalitzabam ship, nippy bam bam, like human events with Jack Posobiec. All right, Jack Posobiec here, live human events daily. Folks, the world is quickly descending into chaos, and we know the next medical crisis just around the corner. Whether it's another pandemic or something closer to home, preparedness is no longer an option. It is a necessity. That is where the wellness company comes in. From something innocent and natural, like a tick bite, to COVID, to the next bioweapon manufactured in a lab, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is what you need to be prepared. It contains life-saving medications like ivermectin, emergency antibiotics, and z and more, as well as a guidebook to aid in the safe use of those medications. Wellness company and their doctors, this includes Peter McCullough, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Harvey Reich, Dr. Drew Pinsky, Dr. Robert Seek, and so many more are medical professionals that you can trust. So rest assured knowing that you will be ready for whatever the globalists throw it up at us next. To order, just go to twc.health/poso. That's twc.health/poso and enter promo code POSO for 10% off. Look, I love these guys. I've posted about it. The wellness company and their licensed doctors, these are medical professionals. You can trust their medical emergency kits are the gold standard to keeping you safe. Again, that's twc 
pharmacy.health/poso promo code poso for 10% off. Check out the website for details. Prescription may be required, but I guarantee better service than any pharmacy you are going to find today. They certainly have been for me and for my family. Our guest today. This is interesting. I I wasn't planning on setting it up this way and it, it just sort of just sort of worked out. We've got Mayor Trent Staggs from Utah. He's running for US Senate out there. Mayor Staggs, thank you so much for joining us today. And if I can, I I have to get your response. So we've got mayor to mayor here. This mayor down in Athens, Georgia, gives what I can only describe as a completely bizarre press conference following the tragic and and horrific death of one of his citizens, a a younger, a 22-year-old student jogging at a university campus uh, to to see someone out here essentially pleading, it sounds to me like he's pleading for the uh, the rights of the the victim, the right, or excuse me, the rights of the accused, saying that he's the real victim or something. Walk me through this. What's happening? Well, incredibly tragic. And yeah, to see a mayor like that give that type of response, I mean, it isn't completely ideological. He's just committed to that for some reason. I mean, here you have a situation where an illegal immigrant clearly created the crime, caused the murder, and he says that they're unrelated. Um, No, they're clearly related. And I mean, in my town, for example, I have had uh, ICE come and talk to me and talk about the strong correlation between the rapid rise in crime that I'm experiencing in my community to foreign nationals or illegal immigrants. They've documented it. I mean, they're even in Utah, they're working with well over 100 to 150,000 cases of illegal immigrants in our state, and uh, many of which uh, have committed crimes. And so there clearly is a correlation. And for him to say that uh, is just completely ignoring facts, completely ignoring the reality, putting his head in the sand. Um, and it is tragic. I mean, we've got to get we've got to get this issue right. Uh, this Biden administration has been completely disaster, just a complete disaster on the border. Everything was working relatively well under President Trump. And here we have President Biden and this disgraceful Secretary Mayorkas that is completely refusing to enforce the law. Um, you know, for him to say there is no correlation, I mean, they, by the very fact of them coming into this country illegally, they've already committed a crime. And are we to believe that those that are willing to commit crimes won't maybe commit them again? Um, I, 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 this is, it, it, to me, as a mayor, um, you've got to be able, the number one duty of government is to protect its citizenry. Uh, and he is unwilling to even do that because he can't, he doesn't understand reality. He doesn't know what time it is. He doesn't understand the problem if he's going to make that kind of statement. And this is a huge issue that we're seeing writ large across the country. I mean, last night over at Post Millennial, we're getting headline after headline, Maryland, Virginia, Louisiana. It, it feels as though there is a systemic break between the citizens of this country and the government uh, in, a, in a place where you would you would think that typically federal policy doesn't dictate law and order in, in city by city, town by town. But because of this issue, the nature of the illegal immigration issue, it does seem it's become that way, hasn't it? It, it has, sadly. I mean, people are just so bent. The, the progressives and the liberals are so just bent on embracing this ideology at all costs, seemingly. And that's, you know, was part of uh, my my speech recently at CPAC. We need leaders in Washington, uh, all across the spectrum, that are going to fight for everyday Americans. 
And I gave the example of uh, somebody in my community who was imprisoned uh, wrongfully on fabricated charges by a socialistic government down in Venezuela. It was imprisoned for almost two years. And the Biden, Obama, uh, Obama-Biden administration did absolutely nothing. Uh, it wasn't until President Trump came into office that he was willing to fight for and ultimately secure the release of one of my residents. That was a very personal example, but we need that. We need that today. We need leaders that are going to fight for everyday Americans and actually want to represent them and care more about them than their own ideologies and, you know, ingratiating themselves into a culture, um, this this really perverse uh, culture. And this is it's something that's got to stop. Now, you are running for Senate in Utah. You know, why is it that we haven't seen your senator? Well, you've got one senator that that I think is doing just fine. But there's another guy who's on the ballot who doesn't seem to be making this as much of a priority. His name is Mitt Romney. Well, and that's why uh, I chose to run. You know, almost 10 months ago, we came out swinging. Um, We've had a, a launch video that's been viewed, I think, about a million and a half times. And we pointed out the fact that Mitt Romney ran back in 2018 and as a mayor, I remember this very clearly, ran on a, on a platform of balanced budget, of ending illegal immigration. He actually claimed he would end illegal immigration in his video back in 2018, uh, put us uh, stop federal spending and overreach and confirm conservative justices to the court. And that just hasn't been his record. We called it out. He started out at about 50% favorability when we launched uh, my campaign, and then he went down to about 30%. By the time late September came around and he announced he wasn't going to be seeking re-election. So uh, we've been leading out in this race uh, all around the state. People are ready. They're ready for two true conservatives to represent them in the state of Utah. And that's what I've been telling folks. If you want another Mike Lee, I'm your guy. That's what this is about. We have this opportunity. I think it's once in a generation opportunity to get somebody else in there that is going to be a true constitutional conservative and be able to advance an America first agenda rather than, you know, a Mitt Romney or a Mitt Romney 2.0, if you will. That just continues to negate uh, many of the things that Senator Lee is doing and just acting counter to that on the main issues, on the main votes. Now, when it comes to the presidential primary, we saw the results, huge results for President Trump in uh, Michigan last night, a really underperformance for President Biden uh, that was going in. However, Nikki Haley still on the ballot. What is your take on the Republican side of this? Well, I came out and endorsed President Trump last summer, almost immediately after I announced my candidacy. I mean, for all the reasons, you know, some of which I just articulated, they're very personal to me. Um, just the tax cuts of 2017, uh, less than $2 a gallon gasoline, you know, great foreign policy. We didn't have these wars and skirmishes um, and and just these conservative justices that he was able to nominate uh, to the Supreme Court has been very, very transformational. So I, I'm, I'm fully behind President Trump. Um, I think it's time, well beyond time, that we go ahead and consolidate, get everybody behind him. Uh, he's not only were his policies fantastic and he's proven, demonstrated that way, but we have uh, his polling that is so fantastic across the country. And, you know, with all due respect to Nikki Haley, I mean, here's somebody who can't even win their home state, uh, you know, in a primary. And if I couldn't even do that here and win my own community, I, I think I've got no business uh, continuing on in this race. Let's get behind uh, President Trump. And I think, you know, I think this is something a little bit, uh, it, it speaks to something a little larger. 
it's not just, a, yes, President Trump, we want to support him, the America First agenda. But I think the reason why Nikki Haley is still out there is because there's this wing, the, the Bush era wing of the Republican Party, if you will, that just doesn't want to let go. Uh, the establishment is scared and uh, they want they want uh, continued war. They want, you know, what she's advocating for and has always advocated for in terms of globalism and and being this this neocon that wants to support uh, endless war. And we're seeing more and more Republicans that are saying, no, enough of this. We need to put America first. Other countries in the world need to be able to stand up and pay for their fair share. And that's something that President Trump did very well with respect to our NATO partners and allies. Um, and it's time has come. We need to get behind President Trump. Let's go ahead and put our resources there so that we can beat Joe Biden. Uh, it would just be disastrous to this country if we had four more years of a Biden presidency. And that's another reason why I'm stepping up and running, because not just do we need President Trump back in the White House, but we need to have supporters all the way up and down, um, you know, in the Senate and in Congress, um, various states. We've got to have people there that are going to advance this America first agenda to get this country back on track because the establishment has truly taken us to the brink. Well, it's really quite interesting you say that too because we've got about a minute till break. I'll, hold, I'll love to hold you over if you can, but it, we've got a situation now where in this election, folks can really look at, this, at the two candidates uh, for president and say, we had this guy as president, we have this guy as president now, and it's simple. Do we want the policies of four years ago or do we want the policies of today? And I think that for a lot of people, and we're certainly seeing this in these results, we're seeing it in the numbers, that when people compare results, when they compare record to record, there's no question. President Trump comes on top. Independents are swinging that way. By the way, huge new poll out from Echelon Insights saying that President Trump is up in every single one of the eight swing states across the country. Coming back next, our continuing interview. Here's next. You know, they talk about influencers. These are influencers and uh, they're friends of mine. Jack Rosovic. Where's Jack? Jack. He's done a great job. Jack Rosovic back live, Human Events Daily. Look, folks, as we speak, there are wildfires, wildfires raging in Texas, and our prayers and our hearts go out to everyone who's affected by this. And we know how badly that's going to affect the supply chain of food all across America. It will. That's where today's episode sponsor comes in. My Patriot Supply has helped millions of American families prepare for uncertain futures, whether it's an economic crisis, a supply chain disaster, or even World War III. Many families, like mine, start with a four-week emergency food kit. With 16 food and beverage choices, you'll always have something tasty at your fingertips, and the kiddos, they will never get bored. With over 2,000 calories a day, you'll get all the nutrients you need, and the four-week emergency food kits come sealed inside. Ultra-durable packaging can last up to 25 years. Stock up on all the food kits your family needs at MyPatriotSupply.com. Remember, you can get each four-week food kit for $60 off and free shipping. So protect yourself, protect your people, protect your family's future. Start preparing at MyPatriotSupply.com, MyPatriotSupply.com. Continue our interview with Mayor Transax. So, Mayor, when you're out there crisscrossing the state, when you're going around Utah, when you're speaking to U Utans, right? You would, would you say Utans? Utans, yeah. 
Utahans, Utahans. Okay, I'll, I'm get, I'll get there. I'll get there. I'm an East Coast guy. You'll have to forgive me. But when you're, when you're talking to them, I understand Nikki Haley is in the state today. Does, does her program really resonate with the issues and concerns that you hear from just local people as you're going around the state? No, not at all. I, I mean, I, I'm not hearing a huge support for the war effort in Ukraine, this endless war, globalism, uh, the neocon stance that she has taken. It isn't that is not what's at the forefront of Utah's uh, minds and concerns. Uh, I, I've done probably 60 or 70 town halls now across the state, all up and down. Um, talked to so many people and they're concerned about the border. I mean, what we were just talking about and its effects, uh, they're concerned about the budget. I mean, it is just I've, I have said it's the height of immorality to have placed 34, almost 35 trillion dollars now in a deficit. Uh, on my kids and on successive kids, on, on successive generations, you know, on their heads. And it's that is something that I think is at top of mind for Utahns as we go around and talk about this. Um, the regulatory state that has become so burdensome is something that I hear a lot from business owners that say, hey, you've heard of too big to fail. What about too small to succeed? I can't afford the army of accountants and attorneys uh, to to go ahead and come into compliance with all the nonsense that's thrown at us from D.C. And so that's where I think it's very important to have somebody with my experience and background at the local level that understands federalism, that understands the proper role of government uh, there in U in uh, D.C. representing Utahns. Um, we're going to go after it. I said I'm going to take a chainsaw to regulation. We got to get this Reins Act across the finish line. Uh, we've got to get a balanced budget. We have to get uh, our, our house in order there. And of course, we have to secure the border. This is just something that's out of control. Uh, the federal government has done so much more than our founders ever envisioned in Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution. The, those powers, those delineated powers that we the people have given the federal government, they're doing so much more than that, that they're failing to do the few things that are enumerated there, namely immigration. And we're seeing that happen. It's not rocket science. Border wall. Uh, let's go ahead and return back to the remain in Mexico uh, policy and E-Verify and other just simple measures like that, I think, would take care of this problem almost immediately. Now, as you mentioned, um, given that you are a mayor in Utah, you mentioned you've had some discussions with ICE. Uh, can you walk us through some more about how this massive influx of people, 7 million across the country since Biden took office has affected your town, your area there. Oh yeah, and it could be upwards eight, nine million or more. Um, you know, the population sure. of Utah is, is 3.2 million people. And to put it into perspective, I say, guys, we've had almost three times the population of our state come across the border illegally and invade our country under President Biden. Um, this is absolutely ridiculous. It's unsustainable. It is an invasion. And those types of policies, again, just border wall, remain in Mexico and 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 really enforcing E-Verify. And, and sadly, you know, our country or our, my state rather um, was designated by ICE as a sanctuary state back in May. They put out a memo and said, you know, de facto, because of your policies uh, of, of giving driver's licenses to illegals and state tuition, uh, they gutted the E-Verify provision in our state uh, that. And, and the jails are not cooperating currently um, with with ICE in terms of allowing beds there to uh, to to have them detained more than 72 hours. 
what used to take two to three months to adjudicate all these asylum claims and cases is now taking two, three, four years. And, and so we have a huge problem uh, in this country and also in our very in our own state. It's really amazing to me, especially because, you know, you have situations where uh, we, we look at the case as as in Athens, Georgia, where this person had been had been on the radar of law enforcement actually had basically it wasn't even that he was slipped through. I saw some people saying in the media that he slipped through the fingers of law enforcement. He didn't slip through anyone's fingers. He was arrested. He was arrested and then he was let go, even though we knew that ICE was working uh, was working on this. So has this ever come up when you're mayor that ICE comes to you and says, look, we need to put this guy on a detainer. This guy's on our on our, um, you know, on our watch list. This is someone that we need to get to. Uh, why does it seem like there are some jurisdictions that don't want to work with ICE, don't want to comply, et cetera. And, you know, I, I, I look at this and I say, boy, aren't these the same types of uh, federal obstruction charges that they're trying to bring federal, you know, President Trump up on? Yeah. I mean, I was shocked when ICE, for example, came and said, Utah's not doing enough. I mean, that we're to the left of ICE. I mean, when ICE is asking us to do more, um, why can't we be like Texas? And, you know, uh, Governor Abbott down there and the Attorney General Ken Paxton that have really taken bold stances. Um, we have to be. I mean, our our governor indicated, put out a memo that we can't be the backstop to a failed federal immigration policy. No, we have to be. If the federal government's going to fail here, um, our ultimate responsibility, government that is, is to protect its citizenry. That's the number one responsibility. And we have to be able to step up and do this. Um, it, you know, sadly, the, the, the process is very much broken. I know that for any of our jails and county sheriffs uh, to cooperate with ICE, they have a 700 page plus agreement. It's very onerous. Congress sets those laws. I want to get back there and change that because I think it's absurd that if we want to put a detainer on somebody more than 72 hours, they have to have special privileges like have their own barber shop and special shampoo. Um, you know, the state government temporarily can step up and say, hey, look, uh, we're going to shield and and take all the, the onus and the burden off the county sheriffs and the county jails. We're going to help shield them from litigation from the ACLU and all the other nonsense that uh, some of these organizations try to, uh, to put up that makes it more difficult to work with ICE. But yeah, as of right now in the state of Utah, um, even if ICE has information that these are MS-13 gang members or if they have uh, committed serious crime in the countries of their origin, they're unable to detain them longer than 72 hours. Only if they've committed a crime here in the state can they then be held. And sadly, that's too little too late. I mean, the thing that really, uh, really hit home to me was when the ICE director said, Trent, right now, on average, every day, we are deporting about two people uh, that have committed sexual assault in the state of Utah. They've committed, and those are the crimes we know about. They've committed a crime. They're doing their time at a county jail uh, because they can now be treated as part of the general jail population, and then they're being deported. Um, and it's it's just it, it's crazy that we are we are dealing with this. Um, we've we've got to get a hold on this. We have to protect our citizens, and uh, that's something that I that I plan on doing day one back in the U.S. Senate and working with other great senators uh, to advance this type of just common sense reform and legislation. 
You know, when you're out there talking to folks, I have to imagine that, you know, so Nikki Haley is, of course, discussing how important it is that we, you know, we fight for the borders of Ukraine, thousands of miles away from the United States, um, that we, how important it is that we get involved in war after war, case, case after case. But it seems to me that this election, and, and we see this in these numbers for President Trump, but also the numbers just where the voters are on the on the issues. Number one, we're seeing more and more now the number one issue of the 2024 election is shaping out at least nationwide to be immigration. Number two, inflation and economy. Yeah, and that's what I'm seeing here in Utah. Uh, that's it comports exactly with that. I mean, that's this border issue is really, really a big deal. Um, that's what's at top of mind for folks. We have to be able to secure our border 100%. We need to care more about our own borders than those of Ukraine and other countries. I mean, that that's what that's what Utahns want. That's what Americans want is to go ahead and put America first. Uh, and and then with respect to the budget, just this out of control deficit spending. Um, that's those are the top two issues that I'm hearing as I'm going up and down the state. Um, I've got a, a record of being able to do that, to push back against the establishment, take that on. Uh, that's why my candidacy, we've been endorsed by so many people. And uh, we're, we've got a coalition, a natural coalition already of great America first, I think, senators and uh, people that could be uh, that I expect to be elected and be in the U.S. Senate that I can work with with President Trump uh, to be able to to put forth an America first agenda that will take care of this border day one and will finally, finally take care of our uh, our financial house and put us on a path to a balanced budget. Uh, I absolutely believe that. Seems very simple. Look, when one side is going so extreme to the left, you don't need to go to the right. You can just go right down the middle and say we're going to restore common sense in government and a return to normalcy. Mayor Trent Staggs, you are running for the Senate in the great state of Utah, uh, which, by the way, I mentioned uh, our, our sponsor today, My Patriot Supply. They are headquartered in the great state of Utah. I got to visit there and had a wonderful time driving an armored tanker on. That's a long story with my wife. Where can people go to follow you? Uh, at Mayor Staggs and at TrentStaggs.com, S-T-A-G-G-S, to learn more. Uh, about the candidacy and the campaign and how we can put another America first uh, true conservative in the Senate representing the great state of Utah. By the way, you got to say, you probably have the best backdrop of any guest that we've ever had on the show. Look at that, folks. Gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous mountains. This is our country. We love it. Don't we love, don't we have one of the most beautiful lands blessed by God? We need people who can maintain it and steward it forward. Stay tuned. Be right back. Where's Jack? Where's Jack? Where is he? Jack, I want to see you. Great job, Jack. Thank you. What a job you do. You know, we have an incredible thing. We're always talking about the fake news and the bad, but we have guys, and these are the guys who should be getting bullets. All right, Jack Pasovic back live here, Human Events Daily. We have the great. Uh, Roger Stone, political strategist to the stars, here with us on Human Events Daily once more. Roger, how are you today? Jack, it's uh, great to be back with you. Uh, you know, many, many people don't understand the historical significance of human events. This was the original, most seminal, most important 
fundamental conservative publication and news outlet in the country beginning in the late 60s all the way to today. So for me, it's a particularly great honor to be with you. Well, I appreciate that, Roger. And we are, of course, endeavoring to restore human events to its rightful place in the pantheon of the conservative media ecosystem. And as such, uh, I would love to get your analysis on some of these recent polls that have come out, uh, not only showing the president, uh, President Trump up, I should say, up in every single one of the swing states, but also his performance against Nikki Haley and really the un one of the, the lesser told stories, the underperformance of Joe Biden last night in Michigan. Yeah, it's really quite extraordinary, Jack. It's actually, I would say, counterintuitive. I mean, normally when a candidate for federal in uh, office is indicted by in either state or federal charges, their money collapses, their voter base collapses, and so on. In this case, uh, this tsunami of lawfare against Donald Trump uh, in New York, uh, in Florida, in Washington, D.C., in Fulton County, Georgia, has energized uh, Trump's base, has expanded uh, his vote share, has built intensity into his voter uh, group, uh, and has really catapulted him ahead of the hapless Joe Biden, uh, and certainly uh, galvanized his strength within the new Republican Party uh, over Nikki Haley. So, I can honestly well, and, say, and Roger, it, if uh, I can just add, um, very, if I could just interject very quickly, we do. We're showing a poll right now that came out backing up exactly what you're saying. Not only that it it, it catapulted him beyond that, but in fact, hard, this is out of Harvard Harris last week. If President Trump is convicted and and it's going through case by case, they would still the American people. It's a national poll would still vote to put him in office over Joe Biden. Yeah, I think this is very significant, Jack. Uh, Harvard Harris is run by uh, Mark Penn. Mark Penn is not a Trump supporter. He's not a conservative. In fact, I believe he's a Democrat. He's one of the most respected survey researchers in the country. Uh, he is uh, not biased. He's not partisan. He just tells you what the numbers really show. Uh, and this is the first major poll that I've seen where it's absolutely clear that the American people get it. In other words, even if convicted uh, in this multitude of totally fabricated uh, uh, trials, fabricated charges, Trump still wins. This is very, very good news indeed, because it's very clear to the deep state actors now that, that throwing uh, Nikki Haley up against him has not worked, uh, that, ha that propping up Ron DeSantis against him did not work. Uh, now that all they're left with uh, are these uh, legal uh, assault, uh, this legal assault on him. Uh, and then if he does end up going head to head with Joe Biden, it's abundantly clear that most Americans will view that really as a choice between Donald Trump and Vice President Kamala Harris, because very, very few Americans, I think, believe that Joe Biden will possibly fill out another term. He just doesn't seem up to it. It's not that we wish him any ill will. We don't. Uh, but I, I think it is just reality. What I think is really funny is the way that constantly in the middle of a sentence, he, uh, uh, well, never mind. <laughs> Precisely. Now, Roger, when we're looking at uh, this play out in terms of the vote turnout, 
People forget that there is a Democrat primary that's also going on right now. Michigan, we know, and I've been saying for a few weeks now, has been something of an emergency for the Democrats. They're dispatching Ro Kahana and others to try to meet with these Muslim American leaders in places like Dearborn. Um, we now saw last night where these, in some of these areas, the undecided or uncommitted actually polled ahead of Joe Biden in the vote turnout. Uh, do you believe this is going to be a significant issue for Biden in the general, as all intents seem to be? Well, it's not just Michigan, Jack. What we've seen across the board is a lack of enthusiasm for Joe Biden, uh, which is reflected in the fact that the turnouts in New Hampshire, for example, uh, and, uh, and in Michigan now, uh, are anemic. Uh, also is true in South Carolina. Just the, just the total number of people turning out to vote for Joe Biden, even when he's essentially unopposed. Sure, he got 95.6% of the vote, I think it was, in uh, South Carolina. But it's immaterial because of the very, very small number of people who voted. In Michigan, you have a specific problem uh, where, I, where there's a very substantial Muslim-American vote. Uh, and they are unhappy uh, with Biden's war policies, uh, and they're taking it out on him. I, I don't see any instance in which these very same voters r return to Joe Biden in the fall. This is not like Democrats, say, in New Hampshire, who ventured into the Republican primary by changing their registration and voting in the New Hampshire Republican primary, or left-leaning independents who never intended to vote for Donald Trump in the fall anyway, but went into the Republican primary to vote for Nikki Haley. This is a completely different phenomena. Uh, Joe has real serious problems in his voter coalition, and uh, given the dual war strategy he seems to be pursuing, which is to say supporting both Israel and Iran in the conflict, unfreezing $100 billion for Iran, uh, while also continuing to support our traditional ally Israel, that is a losing strategy for him all the way around. It really is a catch-22 that they put themselves into. And of course, the Democrats built their coalition this way during the Obama years. They called it intersectionality in this strategy at the time, uh, putting together what they called so it's sort of the liberal Jewish Americans, Muslim Americans, and building all of this resentment around conservatives, later on resentment around Trump, which they focused on in 2020. But of course, there are many people on the conservative side of the aisle who said that this marriage will not last. And I think that's what's happening right now. Yeah, it is a, a little disappointing in the sense that I would have hoped to make greater inroads among Jewish voters. Jewish voters in America are among the strongest traditional Democratic voters, despite the fact that it was President Richard Nixon who unilaterally saved Israel from total annihilation in the 1973 Yom Kippur War over the objections of the national security apparatus, uh, despite the fact that it is Donald Trump who kept his pledge to move the capital, Donald Trump who, uh, who forged the historic Abraham Accords for peace. I mean, Donald Trump has a very solid record in the Middle East. Uh, and has been an unflinching uh, ally uh, of Israel, uh, you would think that we would get make greater inroads uh, in that vote. Now, we're doing better than we've ever done, uh, but uh, we haven't made the kind of inroads that I think our 
more logical uh, given the state uh, of uh, conditions and facts. Well, I think you're right. And certainly there's going to be a lot at play there because uh, this is why potentially why the Democrats are attempting and Biden is really attempting to wind this down before votes are cast. So we're sitting here at the end of February. We've got one more day in February because every presidential year is a leap year. Uh, but we know that March is coming up. And then so by November, they're really hoping to find a ceasefire or find something because it's become an absolute albatross and really a wedge issue between the Democrats for this coalition. Uh, last minute till the break, Roger Stone. Uh, they've caused their own problems. When you give $100 billion to Iran and you think that they're really just going to spend it for humanitarian aid, that shows either stunning naivete or a willful strategy to undermine your own country. I can only call it a, a willful strategy. I, I said at CPAC that we are living through the third administration of Barack Obama's policies. And certainly this was Barack Obama's policies when he was in office. It was called the Iran deal, the Iran nuclear deal under various names and sending money on pallets of cash to Iran was repeated by President Trump more times than I think anything other than the word China in 2016. Stay tuned, we'll be right back with more Roger Stone and his handicap on the inside track with a short list of the vice presidential picks for Donald Trump, the Republican presumptive nominee. Working long hours, I'm always listening to Human Events with Jack Posobiec. All right, Jack Posobiec back here live, Human Events Daily. We're with Roger Stone. Roger, before we left, um, and I've, I've seen on social media and other spots, as of late, you have taken, and, and I've been reporting this as well, to essentially reporting and, and uh, dare I say, even soft advocating for someone, um, a bit of a wild card, as a pick for the vice presidential slot for Donald Trump. Walk us through your, your recent ideas. Sure. Well, Jack, first of all, I think there's several criteria to be vice president. First and foremost, obviously, the president, uh, President Trump, must select an individual who has the experience, the temperament, the judgment uh, to actually be president uh, in the horrific event that Donald Trump is not able to finish his term. Then secondarily, he needs to pick someone who on the big picture issues of war and peace, uh, uh, gun control, uh, I should say Second Amendment rights, uh, abortion and other key issues is solid. Also someone, most importantly, who will stand up to the war machine, someone who will stand up to the neocons, someone who is, who is very much an America first uh, uh, individual. Now, uh, then and only then can you begin to look at the political considerations. President Nixon used to tell me, when looking for a vice presidential running mate, don't look for someone who can help you, just choose someone who does not hurt you. Well, to me, that means a part of the criteria must be someone who is sure-footed, someone who, uh, who has run for something larger than, say, oh, I don't know, governor of South Dakota, let's say, someone who perhaps has been through a presidential campaign and understands the extent to which those jackals in the fake news media are going to be out to trick you or to force you into a mistake from day one. Well, that would be the three individuals who have run for president and I think acquitted themselves well. 
Dr. Ben Carson, who's a very good man, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, who I also like very much, uh, and Tulsi Gabbard. Now, Tulsi Gabbard was a Democrat. Uh, she is today an independent. She is a uh, lieutenant colonel in the U.S. Army Reserve. She is a combat veteran uh, in both Iraq and Kuwait. Uh, she has, as many people in politics do, she's having evolution in her views. Donald Trump was once strongly pro-abortion. Today, he is the man who appointed the Supreme Court justices who overturned Roe. Uh, Ronald Reagan was an extremely liberal New Deal Democrat. He became the single most important conservative probably in American history, with the possible exception of Barry Goldwater, who started our movement. Uh, Chelsea, uh, Tulsi Gabbard, pardon me, is an outspoken opponent uh, to more funding uh, for Ukraine. She is against uh, the war machine. Folks will say, well, but she supported Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders in the race against Hillary Clinton was the anti-war candidate. She made it clear at the time that she disagreed with many of Sanders' economic positions and other positions. But on the larger question of war, uh, that's where she agreed with him. She is uh, she has uh, had an evolution in her thinking. Uh, evidently, she was at one time uh, pro-gun control. Today, she's uh, an outspoken supporter of the Second Amendment. I interviewed her on my WABC radio show last Sunday. She was calling from a shooting range uh, where she was in a shooting contest in Arizona. You could hear gunshots in the background. So based on her experience uh, in the military, based on her service as a former Democrat, based on her service as a former vice chairman of the Democratic Party, uh, based on her her uh, uh, great energy, the fact she's a championship uh, surfer. I think she has the energy, the experience. Uh, I think she has the charisma uh, to bring some new votes to the table. Now, uh, I'm not endorsing anyone for vice president. I'm going to be for whoever Donald Trump selects. Uh, and I cannot tell you that He's going to take my advice on this any more than perhaps anyone else's. But I'm looking to some for somebody who will bring new voters to the coalition. I love Ben Carson, but I cannot think of a single vote that we don't already have that Ben Carson would bring us. Would he be a good vice, vice president? Sure. But uh, we have to get just a few more votes if you look at this polling. And I think Tulsi Gabbard may well be the ticket. Now, there's a bunch of folks out there going to be unhappy with that. That's fine. I stress again, I'm endorsing no one for vice president. I am talking about an idea that I find intriguing. If Donald Trump chooses someone else for vice president, that's who I will be supporting. Now, I guess the real question, of course, is does it work? Do you think that that's somebody? And, and it's interesting because of, I'm sure the Democrats will point out that uh, that she did endorse Biden after her run in 2020, although I think that was quite short lived. And, and uh, certainly we would all love to see Tulsi Gabbard again on the debate stage with Kamala Harris, as she has a bit of experience with that early on in the debates from 2020. Uh, she really is credited, and I think rightly so, as being the one who took her out of that race. But I suppose the question is, is it enough? Does she have enough credibility to bring some of those independents across the aisle in those states? I think that she does. I, you, you went exactly where I was going to go. You want somebody 
who is fearless, who can go into a debate with Kamala Harris and take her to the cleaners. Uh, and Tulsi Gabbard has already demonstrated her ability to do that. If you haven't seen that clip, you can see it on my X profile. I put it up because uh, it was so impressive. If you watched her speech at CPAC, uh, which she uh, delivered without a single note, uh, it was flawless. I think she is sure-footed. I think she has an appeal to millennials. I think she has an appeal to disaffected Democrats. She has really taken Nikki Haley on uh, and defended uh, President Trump in the tsunami of weaponized lawfare against him, for example. Uh, people do change, Jack. Over time, people have an evolution. I was once an establishment Republican. Today, I'm more of a Rand Paul, Ron Paul, libertarian Republican. That was not always the case. So when you get more information, when you learn more things, uh, your views change. Uh, Tucker Carlson once supported the war in Iraq. He now realizes the war in Iraq was an enormous mistake that we were lied into. And of course, People of course, do, President do Trump evolve. himself at one point was also a was also a Democrat. Ronald Reagan was himself. Roger, we're just about out of time. Where can people go to follow you and get into the Stone Zone? They can go to StoneZone.com, StoneZone.com. You can subscribe for free. See my daily show, The Stone Zone there. You can listen to my WABC radio show. And of course, you can get your very own Roger Stone did nothing wrong t-shirt, the t-shirt I was arrested in. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay short.